0: Pray with me. Oh, Father, that's uh that's what we want to do. We wanna we wanna pour out our praise to you. We wanna sing of your great worth, of your glory, of your power. And today, as we look at your word, we're gonna be reminded of that specifically. And so, Lord, I'm just asking over the next few moments if you would be the better teacher, if you would let your word come alive in us. I, I pray that we could see just how good and how rich it is. And then more specifically, Lord, I pray that you would show us how we need to respond. So that's what I'm asking for us this morning. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. Uh, When I was a uh, kid growing up, I grew up in church, my mom and dad at First Baptist, Missouri city, we were there every time the doors were open Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and there was this, This story or set of stories in the Bible that have always intrigued me. And as a young kid, this this story about the Ark of the Covenant has always just been, it's just been real to me. Maybe it was when I was in Sunday school and they're telling the story about how the Ark was being moved one time and it started to tip and a man put his hand on it and he died, died trying to protect the Ark of the Covenant. And at that point, I got to thinking, there's something going on with that box, right? I mean, it's three and a half foot long, two and a quarter foot tall, two and a quarter foot deep. It's wood and and overlaid with gold. It's got these angels on the top and the wings come together. The the blueprint for the Ark of the Covenant was given to Moses while he was on Sinai and a man built it and it's got rings on the side that the poles go through so that they could carry it. I mean this thing was amazing to me. I mean just as a kid I'm thinking wow wow man trying to protect it and he dies. It probably didn't help that my dad was an Indiana Jones fan. And so I go watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. I don't know how many of you saw that, but I go watch that movie in the last scene when the Nazis open the lid. You remember this? And, and stuff starts swirling around like God, the spirit. I don't know what, but people's faces are melting off. And at that point, I'm like, I don't know if Hollywood gets it or not, but that's gotta be pretty close, right? Don't mess with the box. And when you read scripture, I mean, it's got some pretty profound ways that it shows up. As the nation of Israel is headed to, to the promised land, they get to Jericho and the ark leads the way as they march around that city. The walls come down. Or when they get to the Jordan River and they need to cross it and when the priest who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, when their feet touch the water, it says, the waters split. I mean, there's something amazing about this box, about this this Ark of the Covenant. Inside it were the two tablets that Moses brought down that were the Ten Commandments. There was a jar of manna, Hebrew tells us, is in it. It also says the rod of Aaron is in there. This is absolutely crucial to the worship for the people of Israel. I mean, it is a representation of God's power. It is a representation of God's presence. It's a representation of God's glory. And that's where I wanna spend some time today. God's glory. For them, this is that, that box, that place, that that religious piece of furniture that was more than furniture it was housed in the holy of holies it was that that place that that priest one time a year would go in and I remember as a kid being mesmerized by the fact that they would they said those priests had to wear bells on their robes because if the bell stopped ringing that means he died while he was in there and they had a rope tied around him and they would pull him out I just remember thinking man this is significant God's glory God's presence God's power There's this amazing story that I want to share with you. It's it's found in 1 Samuel. It's a story of how how they viewed this this Ark of the covenant. Nation of Israel was fighting the Philistines. If you know your Bible, it seems like every time you turn in the Old Testament, that's who the Hebrews are fighting. They're fighting the Philistines, and they're losing. They're losing the battle. And... The sons of the priest at the time decide, you know what, let's go get the Ark of the Covenant. We'll, we'll treat it like a good luck charm, if you will. We'll bring it to battle and, and surely that way we'll win. And they bring it out to, to battle and it turns out tens of thousands of Israelites die that day. And not only do they die, but the Ark of the Covenant is taken, is stolen. The Philistines take it. And I wanna to read to you the response of the priest at the time. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 4. I'll start reading in verse 12. It says, That same day, the same day of this defeat, the Philistines defeating the Israelites. It says, a Benjaminite man ran from the battle and came to Shiloh. His clothes were torn and there was dirt on his head. Like you get the picture, he's been running. He's probably been running for a while. He was probably in the throes of the battle. He's filthy, he's dirty. He's His clothes are torn, but he's on a mission. He's gotta tell him what's happened. Verse 13, when he arrived there, there was Eli sitting on his chair beside the road watching because he was anxious about the ark of God. And when the man entered the city to give a report, the entire city cried out, So Eli is the judge, he's the priest, he's the leader and he's been the leader for 40 years and he knows they took the ark out to the battlefield and so he's not going inside, he's not taking a nap, he's sitting there on the edge of the city wanting to know, is the ark coming home? He's concerned for it because it represents the presence and the power and the glory of God. This guy comes in and he starts telling them it's gone. He tells them that Israel's been defeated and the the whole city cries out, it says. Verse 14, Eli heard the outcry and asked, why this commotion? The man quickly came and reported to Eli. At that time, Eli was 98 years old. His gaze was fixed because he couldn't see. You can imagine it, right? This old man who's seen a lot, experienced a lot, cares for the spiritual well-being of Israel. He says, What happened, my son? Eli asked. Verse 17, it says, The messenger answered, Israel has fled from the Philistines, and also there was a great slaughter among the people. Your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are both dead. He tells them, Man, you just lost your two boys. But watch what he says next. And the ark of God has been captured. Verse 18, when he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell backward off the chair by the city gate and since he was old and heavy, his neck broke and he died and Eli had judged Israel for 40 years. He falls backwards, not when he hears about Eli, I mean Hophni or, or Phineas. he falls backwards. He passes out, he, he dies when he hears that the ark was captured. It goes on, verse 19, Eli's daughter-in-law, the wife of Phineas, was pregnant and about to give birth. And when she heard the news about the capture of God's ark and the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband, she collapsed and gave birth because her labor pains came on her. I mean, she hears this news. My father-in-law has died. My husband died in battle. And not only that, but this, this symbol of God's power and presence and glory has been taken and she falls on the ground and she goes into labor immediately it says in verse 20 as she was dying the women taking care of her said don't be afraid you're giving birth to a son they're trying to encourage her but she did not respond or pay attention and she named the boy ichabod saying the glory has departed from israel referring to the capture of the ark of god and to the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband The glory has departed from Israel, she said, because the ark of God has been captured. I mean, she is making this moment unforgettable because anyone who looks at her boy and says, oh yeah, that's the son who lost his father in battle. That's the the grandson of Eli. And when they call his name Ichabod, every time they say it, they're going to be saying the glory has departed from Israel. Can you imagine the weight of it? So much so that you would name your child Ichabod. The glory is gone. I mean, this glory of of God is so important to the nation of Israel. I mean it doesn't take long for you to read your bible and to to see God's glory show up so many ways. His glory shows up in a in a burning bush to Moses. His glory shows up in a pillar of fire that leads the nation out of Egypt. His glory is manifested on Sinai when a cloud descends and thunder and lightning and an earthquake and a trumpet sound. God's glory is manifested over and over again. And for them to say God's glory has left, they're essentially saying his presence has left. And she names her son to commemorate this to mourn this. I I just stopped there for a moment and been thinking about this passage for a while and and just beginning to wonder to myself, if, if you, as you heard John just a minute ago say, 24 weeks, 24 weeks ago, 25 weeks ago, we looked at the Radius Church and said, we're not gonna gather together at our locations. We're gonna gonna do this online. And I wanna be clear, I'm so glad we have this technology, but I think we can all be in agreement. It's, It's not a replacement for the gathering together, is it? I just wonder how many of us felt the weight of, like, it's gone this chance to gather together, it's gone. I mean, don't get me wrong, the first couple of weeks were kinda cool, right? I mean, week one, week two, we, we kinda quarantined with another family and we, we had a little watch party and we turned it on and it was kinda neat navigating YouTube and watching it online, but then after a while it begins to feel like, yeah, but it'd be nice to do this with others. You see, I, I think the glory of God has been manifested not only through fire and smoke and pillars and the Ark of the Covenant, but as I read the Bible, the glory of God was manifested perfectly in His Son Jesus Christ. That's what John 1.14 says, right? It says, "He dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. A glory is of the Father," it says. I mean, his glory was manifested in Acts chapter 2 when those flaming tongues landed on the disciples' head and they preached the gospel. Like that is the manifestation of God's glory in his presence with those men as they tell about Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. I'll take it one step further. In Ephesians chapter 3, it says this in verse 20. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Talking about the father, he says this in verse 21. To him, the father, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let me show it to you again. Do you see it? It says, to him be glory in the church. In the church. And the gathering together of God's people who have said, we follow Jesus Christ. God's glorified in our gathering. God is glorified when we come together. And I just just felt the weight. And I think many of us felt the weight saying, man. We had to say, well, we... Can't gather right now. It was gone. You would agree with me, wouldn't you? That that there is something powerful when the body of Christ comes together. There's something powerful about us singing together, our voices being lifted. There's something powerful in, in seeing another brother or sister baptized. There's something powerful as we take the bread and juice and remember the sacrifice of Christ. There's, there's something powerful about seeing another brother or sister there's something powerful even in the parking lot at Radius Lexington or, or at, in the lawn at White Knoll or out in front at Rocky Creek or in the, in the park in Saluda or, or in the, under the big tree in Irmo. There's something even powerful about touching elbows. Yes, there's something powerful about that, right? Because we're, we're coming together. Something powerful about it. And, and John, John said in a, in, in, in a week, we're going to start this series of we because there's something powerful about we together. There's something powerful when we, we serve. There's something powerful when we, we love. There's something powerful when we sacrifice together. And those are the stories of radius, aren't they? Matter of fact, those are the stories of church since its beginning. It's power. So for me, the question is, what do you do? Well, what do we do with this? And for me, I go to the book of Chronicles because it's, it's gonna help us tell a little bit of the story. You see, the, the ark's not gonna stay gone forever. Matter of fact, it's pretty funny that what happens is is the Philistines take the ark home and they, they put it in the, the little place where their god Dagon was and they wake up the next morning and the scripture says Dagon was laying flat on his face. They prop Dagon back up and the next morning they find him again and he's laying face down, head cut off, arms are gone and the Philistines said, enough is enough, let's get the ark of the covenant out of here and they send it on its way. It only stayed in, in, in the land of, of the Philistines seven months. And then they send it to this place called Beth Shemesh. And you thought Beth Shemesh was gonna handle it well as they sacrifice to God and they give him honor. But the problem is, is they took the lid off and they looked inside and God struck 70 of them and there was plagues and pestilence at Beth Shemesh. And so they said, we don't want it either. And they sent it to a guy named Amenadab's house. And we know it stayed there for decades, probably 40 years, all throughout the reign of Saul. And finally, King David, you know, David who slayed Goliath, David's going to take over. And when he takes over, he tries to bring the nation together. Cause you know, back in the days, and it's going to happen in November, there are the, the people who were for Saul. And then there are the people who are for David and you got to bring the nation together. You got to unify them. And David was trying to figure out how do I unify them? And the other day at Men's Roundtable. Brian Simmons shared this passage out of Chronicles, and it reminded me of the story where David brought all of his leaders together, and he says, "I need to hear from you. What do we need to do?" In First Chronicles thirteen, it says this in verse one. It says David consulted with all his leaders, the commanders and of hundreds and of thousands. These are the men of men, right? He brings them together and say, fellows, what should my first order of business be? Verse two, then he said to the whole assembly of Israel, if it seems good to you, and if this is from the Lord, our God, let us spread out and send the message to the rest of our relatives and all the district of Israel, including the priests and the Levites in their cities with pasture lands, that they should gather together with us, come together with us for what? And then let us bring back the ark of our God for we did not inquire of him in Saul's day. He said, we got to bring back the power and the glory and the presence of God. Let's go get it. They don't tell him to work on infrastructure. They don't tell him to work on education. They don't tell him to do some, you know, campaign for political correctness. They say, no, 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 this thing needs to be grounded on the power and the presence and the glory of God. And so David, if it were us, we'd go down there and get the Ark of the Covenant back and bring it here because that represents God's presence and we need it. He says this in verse 4, since the proposal seemed right to all the people, the whole assembly agreed to do it. And the story from there is great. David takes his fellas out there and they go get it. And the first time it didn't go so well. Remember that story about the guy who touched it? It happens there, the Ark's fallen off and David gets frustrated and he says, boy, this is this is hard. I'm just trying to do the right thing, God. And then he takes a break and he does it again. And then he's able to be successful and he brings the Ark of the Covenant in. And when he comes into the town, he is dancing. He is praising. Matter of fact, some of them looked at him and said he's a little crazy because he was, he was kind of going, shirtless, you know what I mean? And he was doing his whole praise before God because he was so excited to have it back. And I'm not going to lie to you. 14, 15 weeks ago, when we met for the first time here at Radius Lexington in the parking lot, and we were excited. And then just three weeks ago, when we met for the first time inside, we were excited but there was something else. I know for me, I, I, I just, I wanted all of us to feel it. I wanted all of us to experience that. And there's just a piece of it that said, man, there, there's a few of us missing. I, I know I can speak on behalf of Joe Pitts at White Knoll, Derek, Life As they're, they're doing a great job out there at outside service and they're trying to meet inside and But I know if Joe were standing here, he'd say, we miss you. We miss you. Rocky Creek, out in front of their new building, which is going to be fantastic. I can't wait for that to open. Ryan's doing a great job leading, and they're meeting outside. But I know if Ryan were standing right here, he'd be telling you this. He'd be saying, we miss you. We want you here. I know Trey they're having a, a, an amazing time out in the park. And they've, they've, they even met for a while on the steps of, of the, the, the town hall there. And it was, they just had a great time, but I know if Trey were standing here, he would say, I miss you. Matter of fact, Trey's got this little, little baby. He's probably like, I want to show him to you. I miss you. Irmo. I know Ross, man. They, Not a doubt in my mind As they've had some amazing stories meeting under the big tree and now they're going down to the the old park downtown. He'd stand here and say, I miss you. And man, just for me, for the folks at Lexington, I can speak on behalf of our staff. I miss you. I miss you. We'd love to see you. We would love to function as the body God's called us to be there's power in us gathering together there's power in us singing in us taking communion there is power and in the next couple of weeks as as student ministries kick off at all of our locations as as small groups take center stage, as we want to call people back into community, as we find ways to serve. Because here's the deal, we still need to love our communities, we still need to serve our communities, we still need to sacrifice, and we want you to join us. Will you do it? Will you do it? So I, I know what's going to happen here in a minute, is we're going we're to turn this thing off, and there's going to be a big elephant in the room, and so I, I just want to address the elephant. We give you homework every week, and so here's the homework. If you just do this for me, right, just just maybe ask yourself this question. This morning, as we turned on this video, what kept us from going to the Radius church we normally worship at? What was it? Did you have that discussion? I've, I've had some amazing conversations with people who truly are trying to protect loved ones, trying to protect parents, trying to protect people that are vulnerable. And for that, I say, thank you. And I continue to do that. We want to serve and love those folks well. But well, My question for those of us who maybe found this easy and convenient, I just, I just wonder, could you guys talk about what it would look like to to give it a shot, to go to White Knoll, join us in the parking lot at Lexington, hang out in the parks at Saluda and Irmo, in front of the new building at Rocky Creek. We miss you, we miss you. Let me pray for us. Father, I, um, I mean, you know my heart here is as heavy as I'd, I say these words and and um and issue this challenge and I really am praying for Radius praying for Radius Lexington I pray that that we would come together we would gather and be strong and powerful to reflect your glory I'm praying for for Joe and Derek at White Knoll, I'm praying for Saluda and Trey. I'm praying for Ross at Irmo. I'm I'm praying for Ryan at Rocky Creek. And, and then Lord, even as we're praying about going downtown with Scott Schuford, I'm praying for all of us that we would, we'd come together and we'd rest in the strength that we we find together. Lord, um, show us what our next steps are. Show us what you'd have us to do. We love you. Thank you for the church. It's a precious gift. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.